Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. So why don't we give Jesus a great big round of applause. Come on. If we're going to do it, we may as well do it properly. It really is great to be with you uh, again. And numbers of people uh, said to me as I was coming in, they said, oh, you're here again. Uh, I don't know whether that was encouraging or, or discouraging, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it as an encouragement. I'm joking with those who, who, said, it, who said it to me uh, today, but it really is great. And just to echo what Josh had said, thank you so much for, for leaning in, um, in in terms of the joint service. Thank you for um, the part that you played in, in honoring uh, myself and Caroline and the family. Uh, but it was just beyond that. It was just great to be together. And then on first Tuesday, numbers of you came across uh, and we're delighted with that. And I want to say, I, I, I just think uh, Josh and Helen and the team of leaders that are specifically working with, with, with the guys and then the wider team, you're doing a great job, guys. You need to be uh, celebrated. It's absolutely fantastic to just, every time I come, the, the, the work is being established. There's an establishing. And if it's your first time here um, to uh, Mansfield, uh, you need to just connect with the guys, connect with the growth track. Uh, you'll be able to understand a little bit more about what's happening. And uh, I really believe that God is at work here amongst you. Do you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. About five of you believe that. So I'm going to waken you all up and tap your neighbor. Said God is at work in Mansfield. Come on. God is at work. God is at work in Mansfield. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And as we declare it, God is at work in Mansfield. Really believe that something significant happens, you know, in the spiritual realms as well. And uh, thanks for coming out this morning. I don't know about what the news was saying. It was like we was entering Armageddon. Uh, I, I was driving from, from uh, uh, um, just the other side of, uh, of Ilkeston in, in Hena, where we live. And uh, a little, if I can say this, probably a little bit windier than, than here. And I was, my mum was on the phone with me. I was on hands free and she was saying, oh, just be careful. You need to be careful. It's like there's trees thrown out. Like Joshua was saying, cows coming out. I said, mum, it's all right. Honestly, I'm fine. I'm a big boy. Call me when you get there. Mum, I'm a big boy. All right. And uh, so anyway, it's uh, great that you've come out. It is very windswept, very wet. And for those who've walked here, we honor you for doing that. For those who are of a certain age, thank you for coming out. And those who've got kiddies, thank you for bringing them here because this is what makes it church, yes? And uh, so it's good. Now, this, this uh, n- next two weeks, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We've just had a series uh, around Rouse the Warriors that really is just a foundational series of laying in in terms of prayer and spiritual practices. And we're going to enter a visionary season uh, very soon. But what we try and do is give you a balanced diet, okay, of ministry. Because we like to think of the preach word as like a bit of a, 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 a you know, a meal, And there's different meals that you need to serve at different times. So I want you to just lean in for the next two weeks. Even if you say this morning, I'm not going to say what I'm going to speak about yet. Even if you say this does not apply to me, I think we can all learn from something of the message, okay? And what we're going to talk about specifically over the next two weeks is we're going to address relationship myths. We're coming up to a celebration I'm not, I'm not the greatest romantic. Any, any blokes here are really romantic? Go on, I dare you to put your hand up. Okay, so you're, most, of you are like, uh, most of you are like me, okay? Not overly romantic, and yet we're told that we have to be because of Valentine's Day that's quickly going to be upon us, and uh, lots of money is spent. 
There's lots of cards that are written. There's lots of things that happen, meals that are booked, flowers that are bought, all those kinds of things, all in the name of relationships. So what we wanted to do was just over the next two weeks address relationships specifically, just really speak into that. So this morning, I want to actually address the whole issue to do with singleness. Now, this is where you all start to say, well, that doesn't apply to me because I've been married for 30 years and certainly doesn't apply to me. And, you know, I, I don't want to be with anybody. I'm single and I'm happy to be. Just lean in this morning because, as I say, something of what's the ministry and what God's Word has to say, I think will help you, may help you in advising somebody, may help you with your child, may help, help you with your grandchild. Have you got it? Yeah. So just really lean in. And then next week, we're going to be talking specifically with regards to marriage. And uh, I don't want people to keep, keeping away from that. It may be that you've got some difficulties in your marriage. This is the very fact that you have to lean in. Yeah. Lean in. You know, we don't live in this Christian bubble. I'm just, I'm okay just for two minutes, just to just go, not go, go off on one, but just talk about it. You know, this, this, this church is earthy and real. This Bible is earthy and real. It addresses issues. We all have issues. If you say, I have no issues, then that is the issue. Am I speaking to anybody? If you say, I have no issues, then that is the issue, or you are the issue. Okay, we all have issues. We all have things that we have to work through. Okay, so we, we don't just want to do all. You know, we're going to take this land for Jesus and we're going to be pumping you up. We want to we teach you. We want to help you. We want to equip you in this church. Can I get an amen? That's what we're about. We're not there to just, you know, titillate you and just make you feel good. We want to just help you to just establish in this area of relationships with singleness and with marriage. I, 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 we've been mar married, my wife and I, I better get this right because she'll listen to the recording, okay? But we've been married for 27, we're approaching 28 years. I know I don't look old enough. I know I, I, know, I, was, I was a child bride, okay? Or groom, Ch child groom, sorry. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry, uh, yeah, let's move on. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but... Um, well, what am, I, what am I going on about now? I've, I've lost myself completely. But there's something that I can learn in the area of, of relationships and in the area of marriage. And when I get an opportunity to sit under teaching, training, equipping, I just lean in. Because I don't just think, oh, we've got all this sorted. Me and Caroline have got quite a ha nice, happy marriage. And we have. But I, I know there's things that I can improve on. So, Father, I pray that... Thank you for the spirit of this gathering. Thank you that there's freedom and joy in this place. Thank you for the guys who've led us so well into your presence. And we open our hearts and we value your word. And we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. And I pray, Lord, that you would illuminate our hearts. You would equip us. You would train us. You would teach us your ways. Because in all areas, we so want to get it right. We want to please you. We want to please you. So help us now, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, we want to become more like Jesus. And the word helps us to do that. So I wonder if you could just grab your Bible or your electronic device as we just begin to talk about this whole thing to do with relationships and in particular singleness. Just some facts, first of all. As we lead up to Valentine's Day, there are at least 36, we're told, there are at least 36 million heart-shaped boxes of chocolate sold. 
On average, men spend double the amount of money on Valentine's gifts than women spend. Guilty conscience, okay. And the average amount a man spends is £100. That is obscene. Sorry if you spend £100, but you're spending my money as well. And, uh, you know, it's a big deal. But this is the point that we're trying to make that I've brought in my introductory remarks that we do all that, but I think it can be smoke and mirrors. We don't really get to the real crux of the issue with regards to relationships and how that works through because these things affect us deeply. And uh, I think we would do well not to just get caught up in the euphoria of Valentine's Day, but actually apply some of the principles that we are going to be looking at. You know, it's interesting that we talk about self-improvement in all areas. And I'm all for that. Leadership, growth, money, how we can self-improve in the area of money, um, health-wise, fitness. But yet we spend so little time. And we don't really concentrate on growing and developing the areas of relationships. It's interesting that. You know, over this course of this year, we're going to be having... um, Mornings that we're going to be helping people who are handling parenting, we'd ask you to lean in. We're going to be addressing the, the, the issue of marriage. We'll have a morning again. It'll come up. We'd encourage you to, le- to lean in. Because we really, as I say, want to be a church that equips you in these areas. Now, as we look at relationships, there's two things that I want you to do. First of all, don't look behind. Don't look behind. If you've had a bad relationship, I want to say it's in the past. It's in the past. Because oftentimes, this can resurrect some feelings in us that is very unhelpful. That isn't our aim. That isn't our intention. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He doesn't come to condemn us. Jesus comes to love us. He comes to correct us. And he comes to lift us and give us a brand new start. But we mustn't look behind because it's in the past. But secondly, you mustn't look to the side. (laughs) What I mean by that is, oh yeah, I've got her next to me. Oh yeah, I've got him next to me and he needs to be listening to this, tapping the person next to you, particularly next week. I'm just having some fun with you, but it's true, isn't it? We automatically think, oh, they need to be hearing this. No, the first person who needs to apply this is yourself. So don't even look behind. Don't look to the side. Apply. Apply it firmly to yourself. Now, if there's teenagers here, I'd encourage you to listen to it. If there's people who find themselves, you're divorced, you're welcome. We want you to lean into this. If there's people who are just trying to figure out what their next steps are with regards to relationships, we'd encourage you to lean into this. And by the way, this ministry was set uh, uh, in place uh, in 2019. So I want you to understand that because if one of you think, does he know something that's going off? No, I don't know anything that's going off. This was applied. we carefully plot out the ministry and the one or two changes that we can make but we feel that this is a really important series to just put in so when we're looking at singleness I want to take you first of all to 1 Corinthians in chapter 7 it will come on the screen verses 8 through to 9 and I'm going to read it from a contemporary version because it really just helps me to for you to understand it very simply this is what Paul writes to a church in Corinth Like I'm coming to you as the church in Mansfield. And Paul says to this church there, I do though tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them. You've got to continue to read. Don't just think, you know, just read into the whole text. As it has been for me. 
But if they can't manage their desires and emotions, they should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single. We'll come back to this verse in a minute. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of of purity by living according to your word? It's interesting, when we look at singleness, again, just a few facts before I lay in some principles and points. One in five relationships now start online. Okay? 81% of people lie about their age, height, weight, and figure online. (laughs) 71% of people believe in love at first sight. Wow. In 2015, an estimated 51% of the population was single. There are some discrepancies, but, you know, singleness is definitely on the increase. And we have the fact of media bombardment, which really puts pressure, particularly on the area of singleness, because if you're single, you're weird. And we want to say, actually, if you're single and you're happy to be, then that's a great place to be. But this world is infatuated by relationships. And as you can see, the Bible has something to say about singleness. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 7 says this. Paul again writes, Sometimes I wish everyone was single like me. A simple life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone. Any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. I did a Bible school program with a lady, I won't name her, um, and uh, she was committed and is committed to a life of singleness. She committed to it, even at those early, I was only 18, 19 when I went on it. She was probably about 10 years older, but she was absolutely resolute in her commitment. She didn't have a problem with men. She didn't have a problem with her sexuality. She just made a commitment that that's what she was going to live. She was going to live this single life. We also have another lady who's one of our missionary partners in Rachel Wilson. Andy and Phil have been out there um, to, to see her and we need to keep praying for our world ministry partners. But Rachel again, I remember uh, she came onto a Bible school program that I was teaching on. That's how I first connected with her. She'd, done, she'd been in Mattersea. And uh, Rachel Wilson, again, another lady who has committed herself to a life of singleness for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of serving God, in the area of Albania. So it's interesting to note two things. People, people are single, can be single due to calling. There are some people who are called to be single. We, we call it the gift of celibacy. And by the way, guys, that is not weird. That is not strange. I just laid it as a foundation into Arena Church. Because again, we can look on and think, oh, no, no, there's nothing wrong. It's just that people, that's what they feel they, 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 they are called to. And many people that I know who have chosen this, the examples that I've just explained, have done so for the work of God. But secondly, there are people who choose to live a life of singleness. They're happy to be single. Now, Paul gives us some encouragement in that, but he also then gives us a word of caution because he says that that's fine if you choose that pathway because there's some preference to that but don't burn with passion don't burn with passion 
verse 8 through to 9 of 1 Corinthians 7, he says, I do though tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might be the best thing for them, but if they can't manage their desires and emotions, they should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single. You know, we have to understand that some people are called to it by God. Some people choose to live that life. But if that is not your calling, I don't want you to burn with passion. Because again, this is where we've had issues in the life of the church where people have gone somewhere and then you're in the area of having to bring discipline to people's lives. And by the way, we still believe in that, but we still believe in doing that respectfully and properly. But there are standards in which we live according to the Bible. I hope I'm making myself clear. It's a really important foundational word. We have standards in the area of relationships. We live according to the Bible. Now, you may be there and you're single. You may say, well, what about for me? Well, I actually believe just one final thing. There is someone somewhere for you if you desire to be married. There is someone somewhere for you if you desire to be married. Now, some people differ with me on this. And you can differ with me if you want, but some people have used this argument. There's just one person in the world that was designated for me. That's the argument. There's just one person that God has given, given for me. I don't actually sub- subscribe to that, if I'm honest. And that might be a bit of a radical one, and some people might want to fall out with me about that. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this even though my, my wife is going to be listening to it, to it, because I actually believe that Caroline, if she was here, she's just a perfect mate for me. She just is. And hopefully I'm a perfect mate for her. But why I don't take that, because it says in Proverbs 18, verse 22, and it works for both men and women, it says this, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It's the inference being, you've got to go and search. Am I making myself clear? You're all very quiet. (laughs) He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And obtains favor from the Lord. Now I'm not just asking you to go out there like a hunter on the prowl. Ooh, ooh. Everywhere. But there's, a, there's just a, a God. I'm, I'm submitting my, my desires, my thoughts to you. But Lord, I'm just, I desire a wife. And so, so Lord, I just ask that you'll just show me. And then you go looking. You find a wife. And it's a good thing. And you obtain favor from the Lord. And like I said, it's the same with you women out there. But you've got to find a good man, which we'll come on to. A good woman who's going to help you in God. So I really believe there is someone somewhere out there for you if you desire to be married. But this is where I've had to counsel people in the area of singleness because there are some people who just want to go on the prowl and they're just ready. They're just like, a, in fact, they're not even just doing it steady. They're like an excited puppy dog. Just, where can I go? There are some things that I think are really, really important if we are going to understand that we are ready to start dating. We are ready to be in a relationship. And there's a few things that I want to say. Number one, 
You need to have a sound relationship with the Lord. We're talking about Christian people here. I'm not talking to those who are far away from God. If you're here and you're far away from God, I do just want to say this message is primarily to just teach and just lay in, but I want you to understand that God loves you. He cares for you. He's committed to you. We've sung about his love for our, over our lives and how he wants to draw us to himself. Absolutely wonderful. And in that, we begin a relationship with the Lord. And that's the starting point for knowing that we're ready to go and date, that we have a sound relationship with the Lord. When I was a young guy, I was in no place before I met Caroline or just before I met Caroline. I was in no place to begin because I was, I was just like an excited puppy. I was just like, girls, oh, the radar was out. Girls, 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 girls. Girls, girls, girls. That's the song, isn't it? Girls, 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 girls. Uh, I always have to break out into song, Josh. I'm sorry. And some of you girls out there were boys, 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 boys. Let me tell you, that is not the basis to begin dating. The basis to begin dating, whatever age you're at, because I'm talking to a lot of non-teenagers, but there's a lot of singleness in this church, interestingly. Right? So it's not about age. This is about having a sound relationship with the Lord. Secondly, it's walking within a wholesome church community with accountability. Wow. To have some accountability as you enter into those. And and, and we've had this modeled. And it's not because we're the perfect family, because we're not. But both of my girls are now in relationships. One's married, one's the older two, the other one's in a relationship now. It has been done with high degrees of accountability. Not just with mum and dad, but actually with people that they've leaned into and spoken to and asked them to be accountable. Because I know what it's like when all the testosterone kicks in as a bloke. Can I speak to you honestly? The testosterone, whoa. Hey, here we go, boys. And the girls, something begins to happen. Stir, and it can be very, very easy. There has to be, uh, uh, in a wholesome church community, with accountability. We're not, we're not the relationship police. Josh and the guys aren't the relationship police. But we want to just lay in accountability to stop us from entering into foolishness and dangerous places. Are you here in my heart? Are you still with me? And some of you got grandkids and kids. You need to apply these principles. It's not going to necessarily stop you from them going somewhere, but it's going to be helpful. Yes. You're You're setting a guard. You're setting some measures in place that hopefully can be worked through. Thirdly, As you enter into the thought of of dating, your ideal mate shares your love for God, your faith, your values, your beliefs. This is the only basis for building strong. I've seen this so many times where, you know, people haven't entered into this and they've still pressed ahead. And I've seen some very unhappy scenarios over the many years of leading church. And fourthly, I honestly believe, I'm not talking about some childish thing, you know, that, oh, he's my boyfriend, she's my girlfriend, and, you know, you're talking like 12, 13-year-olds, and please, I'm not demeaning that because some 12 and 13-year-olds have ended up married and married for the rest of their days. Wonderful. But as you enter into some more maturity, so here's the example. So when 
I was uh, 18. Wow. I asked Caroline to marry me. And she surprisingly said yes. But I didn't go into that dating relationship thinking, I'll see how she gets on and then there's another girl over. I'll try it out with her and whatever. No, no. My, my goal was marriage. Now, you never know, but I wasn't going into that lightly. I wasn't entering into that relationship lightly. I wasn't foolishly messing around. We weren't just making out. I can talk like this because there's a, there's a, there's a maturity to the audience. My, my aim was to actually enter into a relationship, a commitment to this woman. And she was exactly the same with me. I wasn't, just a ha- I wasn't wanting just to hang out or make out. You can see why I'm brilliant in teenage uh, sessions like this, can't you? They're all, oh, God. This is how I talk to my girls. Girls, listen, this is what it's like. As I've got a young man developing now, 15, our Isaac. Mate, this is where it needs to go. And Lilia, she's a sweetie. She's not allowed to get married until she's 53. Um, But anyway, I won't put that on her, actually. We wanted to be blessed if that's her, her journey. You know, the objective is marriage. And if it's not marriage then I'm not encouraging you to be getting involved with boyfriends and girlfriends and seeing one another. You know, and if you can't say a resounding yes to these four points, then I would say this, your singleness is monumentally better than the probable loneliness of being with a man or a woman in the house who has no intention of serving you or loving you as Christ exemplified and instructs. I'll say that again. If you're unable to give a resounding yes to the four things on the screens, then your singleness is monumentally better than the probable loneliness of being with a man or a woman in the house who has no intention of serving you or loving you as Christ exemplified and and instructs. Now, let's understand the process, shall we? We've still got a few minutes. Because we must... Take our time as we work through singleness, as we've drawn those steps in place and we've given a resounding tick and a yes. I honestly think there are some processes to this and we must enjoy each phrase. Let me say, first of all, I think it's about relating. Get get to see them in a group. I love the fact that we've got a few teenagers here and uh, we've got a few people around the life of the church who may be on a journey to try and enter into a relationship. I just think it's so important that we relate in groups. We get to know one another in a group. Secondly, we then enter into a relationship. Because we've seen them in a group, we now see that there's a little bit of compatibility. And we start to say, and it's an old-fashioned word, but I'm going to still keep saying it in arena church till the day I die. Dating. I can't stand that people do not use these phrases. It's a good phrase. Dating. It's old-fashioned. But relating and dating, that we enter into that where there's more of a one-on-one. We get to see them a little closer up. The third one is, I've put mating, but actually a better phrase is committing. A committing. A committing sage. This is where you get get to see them really closely and intimately. At the at this point of committing, which is marriage, let me underline it, let me underscore it, intimacy happens. I'll say that again because I don't think you've got that. And I don't want you to tap the neighbor about on the thing because I think we'll get it. At the point of marriage, 
committing, mating. This is where intimacy happens, not before. Not before. This is so counterculture in the world because basically what the encouragement, if I'd have knocked around with all my mates, they were just saying, well, try her out. See how you get on with her. And if it don't work, then you can try another one. And by the way, it ain't just the boys who are like that. The girls are just as bad. No, my Bible teaches me. My Bible teaches me. Again, I'm not the, I'm not the policeman. I have to just leave this to you guys. But my Bible teaches me there's a far different, better way to live. As we enter into relating, dating, and that committing, that marriage, this is where... The mating happens. Let me give you a Bible verse. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16 to 20. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. When I was at school, sorry to go back to my childish time just before I go there. This is what it was just basically all about. Ah, the sex. Go on, the lads. But let me tell you, that sort of language doesn't just happen in school grounds. That happens in offices. That happens in factories. That happens as you're dropping the kids off. Phil was telling me, he read an article, the, 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 the affair week was the, was the second week in January where all the, all the affairs go into full-blown activity across the, across the world. Why is that? Because there's been some flirtatious um, actions that have happened over a Christmas party. There's been the, you know, there may have been a little bit of making out kissing and that enters into a full-blown affair. And all it really is, really about, is sex. It's just sex. And Paul speaks into this and he says, there's more to sex than just skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as a physical fact. As written in the scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Are you listening to the word of God? Leaving us more lonely than ever. Why is it there's more sex that happens, seems to be in the world, and yet we live in a a society that, that is just so lonely? This kind of sex that can never become one. So committing, mating, marrying, and then the fourth step is creating, if that's, your, if that's your age, if that's what you've decided, babies. Now, as I draw to a close, because I'm just very mindful of time, and time's gone, some practical things. So there's some tools for singleness. There's some checklists that I think you need to tick off in your own mind. You need to help your kids with, your grandkids with. You've got to understand the processes of what you're walking through. But here's some things that people have said, the most important thing, and I've addressed it as I close. How important is physical attractiveness? Well, it's important, but not as important as the media and the world would tell us, which may surprise you. They often say that beauty is in the, in the eye of the beholder. I mean, I often say that to Caroline with me. I mean, she thinks I'm absolutely uh, lovely, and I'm saying, well... I was punching way above, you know, when I got you, sweetheart. And uh, that's my firm conviction. But she loves me. She's committed to me. She finds me attractive. I mean, even with the overweight, those who were there last week, I was half the man, uh, you know, and Phil reminded me we've all put on a bit of weight since marriage. But if we took it by the world standards, it would be saying, actually, I would become potentially, you know, we could become, no, we're not as attractive. No, 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 no. 
It's important, but it's not as important as the, as the media would tell us. And there's a few things that I want to say. First of all, with this physical attractiveness, we can have too high standards. I've come across some, some guys, I won't say who they were, <laughs> a couple of guys. And it was like, they, were, they think in the, when they look in the mirror, they think they're looking at, at Tom Cruise, <laughs> George Clooney. Seriously. They think they're like these young studs, books. And, I, and so they had this standard that they were like, they were, they were looking at, and no, I'm not bothered with her, and not bothered, no, she's not good enough. I'm like thinking, she's gorgeous, mate. You're punching well above your weight. What are you thinking? I've had to have sit-down conversations with them and say, what are you thinking? What? And they're like, stunned. They're like, honestly, they think that Tom Cruise jumping over a bridge or something, blowing up something. They're like this, so get a grip, mate. Get a grip, lads. Okay? Is that all right? Okay, yeah. Josh, Josh found it funny. Nobody else has. Thanks, Josh, for encouraging me in this message. Physical attract, attractiveness is important, but you can have sometimes, you know, just a little bit too high standards. And again, we can be infected by the media standards of perfect looking individuals. That we have this per, perfect look. That is why people are forever changing the way they look. I'm not saying we can't dress nice, smell nice, look nice, fitness, all the rest. I'm all in for that. That's great. But we need to look in the mirror and see ourselves as fearfully and wonderfully made, as the Bible tells us. Yeah, your, your, your nose might be a little bit crooked. You know, your teeth might not be as perfect as you'd see. But you are fearfully and wonderfully made in the eyes of God. Yes. But we can live with this perfection. You know, Michelle Pfeiffer, one of the most beautiful women supposedly in the world, she made a phrase that we're not a prize to win, but actually I'm a person to love and to cherish. You know, we can have too high standards, but physical attractiveness may hook you, but will not keep you. Because there's some people who've entered into getting this perfect woman or this perfect man only in a few years' time to dis dis disregard him or be disregarded. Physical attractiveness may hook you, but it will not keep you. So what will? Well, this is my third thing. Heart attractiveness is more powerful than physical attributes. I think there's something about the heart. Yes, I fell in love with Caroline in a physical form and she fell in love with me with my physical form. But it went way beyond the physical form. When this pouch starts to happen, am I dependent on the physical form? No, there's something about a heart attractiveness. There's something about who I am in God, who I am as a person, how kind, how considerate, how compassionate, how strong as a man that I, that I am. She doesn't want a wimp. She wants a man. And there's a, there's a heart attractiveness that's so, so important. Colossians 3 verse, we'll finish. Colossians 3 verse 5 to 8. Again, Paul addresses a number of qualities that are just so bad. And he says this, and that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, loss, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy, that's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. But you know better now to make sure it's all gone for God. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity and dirty talk. You can have all the physical attractiveness. 
But if this is in your heart, it will not keep a woman or a man. There are many qualities that I see in the world that sadden me, that sadden me. How people behave one to another. It's terrible. And it may have drew them in, but it didn't keep them. But you know, there's, a, there's another list that I think is so important. It's Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. Again, I'm going to read it from a contemporary version as we close. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. If you're single here this morning, you've just got to believe that as you live God's way, and you may want a husband, you may want a wife, you may want to be in a relationship, this is what, or you're in a relationship and this isn't it, then I want to say that this is something that needs to be just a guard, a measure, a challenge to you as you work it through. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. This is what we're talking about as a husband and wife. They are one of the greatest gifts that you could ever be given. Much in the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like, this, these are the qualities you need to be looking for. Those who have affection for others, exuberance about life, a serenity, develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, but able to direct and marshal our energies wisely this is the kind of relationships that we wanted to establish here in arena church these are the kind of practices that we want to pass on to our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids these are the things that we want to model around the life of the church as the church grows you've got an abundance of kids you've got an abundance of young people that are coming we want to lay these foundations we want to call those who are lonely into this place. We want to call those who have been uh, broken by marriage breakdown. We want to call those who are divorced. We want to call those who are widowed. And they're going to come. And this is going to be the foundation that we're going to live out of. I've got one amen. This is what I believe. This is, this is the foundation that we're going to live out of. We want to just lay a right biblical foundation that's going to set you guys up, you guys up for a win here if we'll apply these principles into our hearts. Andy, I wonder if you'd just jump on the keys. I wonder if we'll bow our heads in prayer. My time's gone. While every eye is closed, I'm going to ask everybody to be very respectful. I'm going to...